My fault. Hey, um, if you're new, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. Man, we're really glad that you are here. And if you're new and, you know, and this is your first time here and you show up on a time when parking lots and roads are icy, I'm mean, just really impressed. You get, you get two points today. Uh, that's, that's, that's impressive. I know you're sitting there thinking you're regular people. You know, you came here on a nice day. You want two points. Not today. It wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. But I do appreciate all of you being here. Um, we were going to, it's going to be a big day. We were going to kind of kick off our small groups, kind of where our, our small groups are, are studying this book that we're doing this series on, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And um, we got, we're going to have sign-ups and we're going to have our small group leaders kick off. We're going to have a lot of things that, you know, weather changes that. But we still want you to be excited about this book. We want you to be excited about learning about the Holy Spirit. And really, we want you to get connected into a small group. Uh, I think it's really important. I've said this. If you come to Connections, you'll hear me say it. If you've already been, you've heard me say it. Um, and to me, to me, if you are going to be here long term and really feel successful in your walk with God and that you're growing and being who God has called you to be, you're going to have to get into a small group. Small groups, I think, are the best environment kind of for personal spiritual growth where people know who you are, can check up on you, can ask a question and get it answered. You know those people are praying for you. And so I just encourage you, man, just to, to take a little bit of time at the end of service. Mark will be out there in the lobby. There's some sign-ups out there. Figure out a way, if you're not connected to a small group, to get connected. And if you're sort of connected to a small group, you know, I just make the commitment here for this, this semester to kind of say, I'm going to kind of get up to that next level and just kind of fully commit and be a part of this. Because, again, we're going to be reading. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit on Sundays, but I think the, some of the best uh, learning that we're going to have is when we're reading this book and discussing it with each other. So I encourage you to be a part of that. And so as we've been kind of getting ready for this series where we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, I was trying to think of everything that I think I might have learned about the Holy Spirit growing up. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, we, I, I grew up in a pretty traditional church and we were super attenders. Um, I, I, you can make a joke about it, you can try to exaggerate it, but I'm telling you, it's not exaggerated for me to say that on average, we would be at our church, at the church building, about 15 to 20 hours a week. As a teenager, I had a key to the church because that was, I mean, we're just, just kind of who we are. I think we all had keys to the church. We were there all the time, and you know, it was a very Bible-believing church, taught the Bible, and, and we were, again, we were there all the time. And I'd also like to say, I have a really good memory. Like, I remember a lot of the things that were taught. I, I remember. And I, I just, man, I just don't know. It seems like we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. I was trying to think. I think I, think I, I knew about the Trinity as much as a, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid can, that God existed in three persons. There was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, I think I knew that. I, I knew the story about Pentecost that happened in Acts where the Holy Spirit comes on these people and then they spoke in tongues. I knew that happened and I knew that we didn't do that. I knew that. There was something about the Holy Spirit would come live inside you, but it was not, I don't know that it was ever really clearly explained to me. And, and, and I remember being really confused when they would talk about that the Holy Spirit tells you when you're doing bad. I remember being really confused about the difference between the Holy Spirit, and my conscience. And I remember never getting a really good explanation about that. I think, I think that's about it. Maybe. 
And I might be giving them more credit. Some of that stuff I may have figured out in college. We just never talked about it. And, and meanwhile, there are some things that Jesus says that we're going to look at today about the importance and the power of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit can do, Jesus' kind of thoughts about what it means for the Holy Spirit to come, that, that really kind of makes it a tragedy that, that, that I could go to church 20 hours a week for 18 years and just come away with just almost nothing. Because the reality of it is, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life can, should, can, and will radically change the course and direction of your life. And, and seriously, in, 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 in the ways that you want it to. I think so many of us are settling for just ordinary life. I think I think we I think we've we've just kind of accepted that life is is a struggle. It's hard. It doesn't work. I'll never get any better. This is going to be the same and I'm stuck and we settle for these kinds of things when in reality with the Holy Spirit um there's this huge potential for a radically different powerful life than what we have. And so I've been trying to think, why? why? Why did we not talk about it? Why is it still something that probably we kind of, we've, we, we dance around? I think because, because I, think, I think you just talk about a spirit living inside you. I think the vagueness kind of intimidates us. I think, I think there's been this kind of theological battle out there in the world between people that will just, to give labels, charismatics and non-charismatics, about what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do, and you hear the Holy Spirit, and some people just kind of think of just kind of some, you know, you know speaking in tongues and all these kind of big things, and it's like we and we and we fight about that. It's like you have to do this or you don't do this. And I say that, and some of you may like I ain't, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, good, it's fine. Let's pretend. Let's pretend like Christians aren't fighting about this, because I'd like to pretend that Christians don't fight amongst themselves about anything. That's what I, that's kind of how I like to live. But I think because we fear, maybe we we fear conflict, we fear extremes, or just general confusion by by the use of the word spirit, or maybe you grew up in a place where they called it Holy Ghost and that just sounds scary. So we don't talk about it. And then we miss something. And not just something. Uh, but, but something, again, something that, again, we're about, we're about, to, we're about to read a statement here from, I, I think, from Jesus that, that speaks about the Holy Spirit. To me, it's shocking. So let's just get into it. It's John 16. John 16, we're going to start in, in verse 5. And he's, he's talking to his disciples. And he's, he's been talking to them about his death and that he's going to die and that he's going to, and he's eventually he's just going to leave them. And, um, and he's like, man, you don't even, you don't even, you don't even seem to care. And so verse 5, he says this. He says, but now... I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? You're like, you know, he's, he's, he's frustrated with him a little bit. And verse 6, he's rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. What's it? Can we just say that that seems like kind of a normal thing? Like, you're Jesus, and you've kind of completely and totally changed our lives. You've, you've, you've finally made sense out of this life that these religious people have been telling us to live, and it's never made any sense. It's never worked, and... 
and, and you're a great friend, a great teacher, you've radically changed our life, you're leaving, that should make us sad. And Jesus is like, it doesn't make any sense to me, it doesn't make any sense to Jesus why you'd be sad. In fact, you should be asking me questions about where I'm going and what that means, but you're sitting around being sad. It, it just seems weird. I mean, I mean you've got to be from their perspective, like, dude, shouldn't you be, like, flattered that we're sad that you're going to die and leave? I mean, we, we like you. It's, it's appropriate. But from Jesus' perspective, he's like, me leaving is not a matter of grief. Verse 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So again, Jesus has done all of these things, radically changed their life, explained God to them in a way that they never did, and just kind of they've experienced this power and the presence of God in a way that they never really thought possible. And then Jesus says he's leaving, and they're grieving that, and he's like, but you don't understand. You don't understand. If I leave, something better is coming. And, and, and I think it's important. I think it's important for we just kind of take a, take a step back from that. Jesus is leaving, and he says, it's good that I'm leaving, something better is coming. It is better for you that I leave, because if I leave, it says the advocate will come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to describe the Holy Spirit in this statement this way, and just trying to explain it, that the Holy Spirit is a better advocate. So what does advocate mean, and what is Jesus talking about? And what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, this word advocate. We don't do this a whole lot because I don't want, I don't want to try to be up here and sound pretentious or like I'm trying to be smarter than you. Maybe I've just kind of got this thing too many times. I've heard preachers get up here and start spouting Greek and Hebrew words and it just felt like they were just trying to impress somebody, right? And so maybe I've gone the other way. We don't do this too much. We don't. We should. Maybe we should. I don't know. I, maybe I want, I mean, you can, you, I don't know. You can think I'm smart. Now you can think I'm smart. So there's this word, this word that, um, that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. It, it's paraclete, and it's kind of a little bit of a compound word. Para meaning kind of to come alongside, and, and then the second part coming from the word kaleo, which means call. And so the idea is, it's the one that you call when you need someone to be beside you. So um, it's, it's, it can be used in legal terms, right? The lawyer, I, I'm in trouble, I need a lawyer. Right, the the paraclete. That's that's who you would call. You you need a lawyer, you need a counselor, you need an advocate, you need a helper. I'm in trouble. I've got this big project. I need some help. I'm gonna call the, I'm call paraclete. I'm I'm in I'm in I'm in I'm in trouble legally. I, I, that's who I need. When I need help, this is the one that I call. And so Jesus is describing himself. He's described himself this way in previous passages. And now he's kind of referring to, to the Holy Spirit in this way. It's like, if I leave, someone who is better at this than me is going to come and be with you. Now, I was thinking about this today, and you think about, you know, I don't know how much time you, you, you spend on, you know, sappy Christian Facebook. And I didn't mean to be getting on to any of you. I don't know that any of you are, are into this. It's fine. It's fine if you are. It's fine. But, you know, and, and before, before Facebook, it was, you know, 
cross stitches and, 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 and inspirational posters. I mean, there's all these kind of things, right? And, and, and always in them, you know, the footprints one. You know, the footprints one, it seems like an old meme now, right? Anybody remember the, 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 the footprints, right? Jesus, you're on side with Jesus and you're on the beach and there's two footprints and suddenly there's one and you're mad at Jesus and he's like, I carried you the whole time, you cry, right? And so all of these things, all these things, when we kind of, we, we, we get into this image about how great it would be, how powerful it would be, and I just imagine what it would be like if Jesus were here with me. How, how, how much I would know and, and how much I could understand. And, and that's the image I want to have. I want to have this image of Jesus standing beside me. Well, there was a time when Jesus was standing beside people teaching them, counseling them, being the paraclete for them, the one that they could call when they didn't understand, when they were hurt, when they were in trouble, when they were sick, all of these things. That's who Jesus was, and he was right there. And he said, this Jesus said this. It's not somebody else thinking about it, reflecting on it later. It's not something I'm telling you. I'm quoting Jesus. It's better for Jesus to not be here because then the Holy Spirit will be here. That means something, right? And I think, I don't, I don't want to oversimplify it. I'm going to give you just a couple of reasons for that. I don't want to oversimplify it. We've got a few weeks as we're reading this book and we're going to be talking about different aspects of the Spirit. But there's a couple of things, you know, that I think it's really important for us to understand on the front, on the front end. First of all, Jesus was limited. He was at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. He can be everyone's paraclete at the same time. At the exact same time, it can be there. And the difference, and this is a huge difference, is that we're not talking about Jesus being beside you. We're talking about this other counselor, helper, advocate on the, on the inside. Not just giving you advice and hoping you follow it, but working on your heart and in your life from the inside of your very soul and your very spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit offers. The best kind of help and advocacy, the kinds of things that we think and believe and wish that Jesus would give, and He would if He were right here, that these things are happening, but they're happening on the inside. And so I think it would be, it's important here for us to take a pause to say, well, how do I how do I know if that is that is that real? Do I do I have that? Is that is that is that is that like is it like bonus material? Is it is it something that can happen to everybody? And here's the promise that is made all throughout Scripture: is that if you give your life to God through His Son Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus, I trust in Him, I've asked Him to forgive my sins, I've taken His death. And, and, and applied it, allow it to God to apply that to me where I can be forgiven and have life with God forever, that what God promises is then at that moment that the Holy Spirit will come and live inside you. So if you have fully given your life to God through Jesus Christ, this is a reality for you. Whether or not you're experiencing it is another matter. Whether or not you understand how to utilize this whether you recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, that's a question for today. 
And it is a question for weeks to come. Because the reality of it is, if God is inside of us and is offering us all of the advocacy and help and counsel and all of these things that one who would come alongside you in a time of trouble, if, if, if we have all, I mean, we got to figure out how to use that. Because right now, I think a lot of us would describe ourselves as living life with a, with a bit of, of isolation, desperation, confusion, stagnation, just survival. And life with the Holy Spirit was never meant to be that. And so Jesus has some explanation. He's got his own. I I gave you a couple things about why I think, just logistically even, that the Holy Spirit being here is better than Jesus. But Jesus has some other things that he would like to add to this. I'm sure it was a very shocking statement to them at the time. And so he explains, starting in verse 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So we'll sum this up this way, and then I'll explain what it is Jesus is trying to say here. The Holy Spirit's a better advocate, and He brings the help we need. He brings the help that we need. And so what he's describing is, he's like, hey, the, the, what the Holy Spirit is going to be able to do, he's going to help people understand about sin, righteousness, and judgment. We'll talk about what those three things are. Sin, that's like you know, the bad stuff that you do. We're not going to get overly complicated here. I've already used a Greek word, right? So we're going to stay pretty simple here. So sin, sin, is, sin is the bad stuff. Righteousness, we'll call that the good stuff. And then judgment uh, being that if you choose bad stuff, it's got consequence. So this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to come into your life and be like, no, not that, that. No, yes, no, 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 yes. You keep saying no, you need to know, it ain't good. Do this, not this, this. And he can help us figure out who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, and what is the right thing to do. Not just simply someone to, to, to wag a finger at us to tell us the bad thing. I don't do that. That's bad. But also to know the right thing to do. And there's several passages in Romans. There's one in Romans 8 where Paul's kind of talking about what the Spirit does in your life. Where he's talking about that, that what the Spirit does is it kind of helps you choose the difference between living in the flesh, which is an illustration that Paul uses, which means I'm just going to do what I want. And, and living in the Spirit, which is living according to what God wants. And all throughout Scripture, Paul describes this, and he describes this in such a way as, we're the kind of people who very often don't know the right thing to do. And even when we do, we just don't. Right? This is what the Bible describes us as. Now, if I were to say that about you, hey guys, this is what is true about you, you should know. You don't know the difference between right and wrong, and when you do know, you don't care. Now, depending on the context in which I say that to you, you would either vehemently disagree and start a fight, or you'd be like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, let your spouse say that to you in the middle of a fight, and now now we're having one different conversation. 
But if I were to get you maybe in a, in a more private context, and we were to talk about maybe that one thing, that one thing in your life that you would say has the best of you. And if you're here right now and you're not willing to admit, at least privately right now, that there is at least one thing in your life that you know is wrong and has the best of you, bruh, well, you gotta know, this, this is the kind of place where you, at least in your own heart, you've got to admit that. I admit it. I mean, I, I, have, I have spent the last few weeks, actually, with some, in, in some different contexts, just really just kind of battling some, some, some inner, internal stuff with me where there just seems some times where I just, I just don't, I don't have any real control. I've got this thing, and it's, we don't really necessarily have to talk about it, but I don't want to be vague and not set at least somewhat of an example. When, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm on vacation and, I, and I'm taking the fam on vacation, I have this expectation of like all of our character flaws and conflicts and everything, we're just going to leave those behind and we're just now going into like some sort of utopian perfect, right? It's one thing to fight at home, right, where there's school and work, and, but we're on vacation, and, and, and you getting upset or doing whatever it is that you do on vacation, it feels like this overwhelming personal attack on me and my generosity and what is wrong with you. And let's just say that I'm known to not react well, which you'll say then, that seems self-defeating. Idiot. And I'm like, don't call me idiot. And so, you know, you have a couple of overreactions and you just, and just, you just feel like, what is, what is wrong with me? And, I just, and I've been thinking about that and I was thinking about some other things in particular where it just seems like in certain contexts, I just, I just can't. I just can't. And, and, what, the, and what the Holy Spirit is saying is that, is that He can. He He will. He not only has the ability to point these things out to you, but He gives you the strength and the power to overcome. And the difference between where you are and where you wish you were is your ability to be able to tap into this limitless resource that the Holy Spirit offers. And too often... We're out there, and we're just sitting there. We're just trying to figure out, you know, how, how can I do this? How can I get better? How can I? How can I? And we keep trying different things, and it's not working. And again, the Bible predicted this. That you just trying harder is not going to get it. But to have real victory over the real obstacles in your life is going to require us to, to tune in to the Holy Spirit. And so, it's one of the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do. And over the course of these few weeks, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But he's going to prove, he's going to talk to the world about, about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he's gonna, not only going to talk to us about it, but he's going to help us overcome it. And then he continues on, <coughs> verse 12. Verse 12, Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I mean, I, I would imagine, can you imagine, I imagine that that's like right. Like you like like you think it would be awesome to have Jesus right there next to you, but after like thirty minutes, you're like, "Bro, I need a minute." 
Like it's just everything that he says, I mean, it's just, it's precise and, and, and gets straight to it. And, and, and sometimes I just get a little worried. That's, I mean, we try to, that's why we try to keep the sermons to 30 minutes. I mean, I ain't Jesus, but there's only so much you can take, right? This is what Jesus is saying. It's like, you got, you got, there's only so much you can take. I got more to say. But you can't you know, be able to hear. But here's the thing. But when he, the, Holy, uh, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. There's a very powerful promise here that I think that we, we minimize, ignore, or maybe for some of us we just don't even know it was there. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Let's just say that. He leads us to all truth. All the truth. And you think, man, there's lots of things I don't know right now. So yeah, there's lots of things you can't bear right now. You can't tell you everything right now all at once. You couldn't handle it. But anytime you need to know something, anytime you are having a question about what is real and what is true and what I need to do, and who I need to be, what is right, what is wrong, what is true about God, what is true about life, what is true about me. We have all of these questions, and Jesus makes this promise that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. It doesn't seem to be any restrictions upon that. I mean, I can make a couple if we'd like. There are certain things about the very nature and essence and character of God that our mind could never even possibly understand. There are some things about life that God has chosen to remain a mystery, which is the truth. Sometimes that's the truth that you're going to end up at, is that is a mystery that you are meant to ponder on and, and chew on and examine for the rest of your life. But... Regardless of just a couple of very, uh, not small, but percentage-wise, all the answers and the questions and the things that are holding us back and the confusion, the things that we feel like we don't know that we wish that we did, the things that we don't understand that we wish that we did, just the Holy Spirit will guide you into all of that. That the answers to the things and the questions about life about God, about you. The Holy Spirit is going to take you there. You're here, the truth is here, and He, through His processes, will take you from here to the truth. And the reality of it is, I was just sitting here just thinking, again, getting ready for today, and just rereading this book, and thinking about this entire series. Those are large promises about life that Jesus made that would happen when the Holy Spirit would come. That He would be able to give us the power and the understanding to know the difference between right and wrong and to choose right. And that all of the questions and knowledge and truth that we need to be able to navigate life well, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all of that. And yet here we are, on a Sunday morning many of us most of us 
living a life that is handicapped by the fact that we feel like that we don't know the right thing to do and we can't choose it when we want to. And we live lives of confusion and uncertainty because we don't know the truth. These are the lives we live when the resource to overcome all of that it's not out there. There's no place I'm, I'm sending you. resources is here. God has placed His Spirit inside of you. Now the challenge for me, and this is this is the thing I'm, I'm, I, was, I was telling myself, right? I was telling myself. Bruh, the series is several weeks long. And there's a book to go along with it. And there's going to be discussing it in small groups. You don't have to say everything all at once in the first 30 minutes. And even right now, as the as the music's playing and everybody here is cued in, it's like that means that we're almost done, right? Um, I've got so many more things that I want to say. So many more questions that I would love to begin to answer with you. It's like, man, you put all this out there. It's like, how how do I how do I tap into that? What does that even mean? And how is he going to guide me into the truth? And how do I know the difference when I'm trying to figure out right and wrong? And it just feels like there's all these competing voices in my head. How do I know which one's the Holy Spirit? And and if I want to know the answer to a question, I mean, sometimes it seems like it goes two different ways. If it's this or this, I don't know. How, how's the Holy Spirit going to do it? And I, and I don't mean to cliffhanger you. But part of me just needs to just keep coming back. Part of me just also wants to say, do you trust the Holy Spirit? Do you trust God? Do you believe that this is what God wants to do? Let's just start there. Let's just start with, do I really believe that this is what God wants to do? This is what God will do. I'm going to be real honest with you. It is our skepticism that holds us back more than just about anything. So God's got lots of cool ways. Through scripture, through prayer, through other people, through sermons, through worship, through meditation, through quietness, through reflection. Lots of different ways that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and guide you into all the truth. Lots of different ways that He will point you in the, in the ways of righteousness and sin. There's lots of different ways that He'll do it. And there's lots of things that you can do to kind of foster that. But let's take a moment right now and say, I believe this, I want this. There's all the practical hints and helps and tricks and tips. We're going to add up the bunch. Unless we, unless we decide we're going to have a moment. We're in humility. I admit that my approach to life isn't working. And then I say, and I believe God that through your spirit, there is a different life out there for you. Let's just reflect on that as we worship. And as always, we have our response in the back. So the last few weeks, previous series, talking about that, the prayer team is here and they would love to pray with you if you need that prayer i encourage you to go back there and let them pray for you i've been texting with uh, one of the guys on the prayer team off and on all week he's been praying for me for the thing that i've been dealing with it's been a great encouragement to me you can have that same encouragement back there you 
can pray at the cross. You can pray at the prayer candles. There's communion available to reflect on Jesus' death and sacrifice for you. But let's worship and pray and just ask God to build in us the deep humility and conviction necessary to allow the Holy Spirit full access to our hearts and to put us on the path to the life that God has called us to. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I do thank you that on a cold day, God, where it just feels like that it would be easier and simpler to just stay in and stay warm. God, I thank you for every one of these people who made the who made the commitment here to come in here from you. And God, I pray that in a real tangible way, that God, that that's what's happened. And God, that voice that is speaking to each and every person here right now, that we would begin to recognize that voice as the voice of your spirit. And God, that that voice would would become louder and louder in our lives. And that God, the other voices that are pushing and pulling us in different directions, God, quiet those and make your voice louder. God, I pray that you would give us the humility to recognize our dependence on you. And God, and give us the faith to fully trust in you and what your spirit can do. And God, I pray that today, the series, this small group, this book, God, this time would be a landmark, uh, life-changing moment for us. Where we move from one life the life, God, that you've promised through your spirit. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.